Thank you. Thank you, Greg. How are we all this morning? Are we well? Yes, it's good to see you all here. It's good to see you all. Well, as Greg has already mentioned, Pastor Mel is speaking at Generation City this morning, so we wish her just a blessed time there and a blessed time at that church. Pastor Jacob did get diagnosed with COVID yesterday, so he can't join us, so here I am. (laughs) Praise God is with us, amen? He needs to be this morning. No, but God is with us, isn't he? And I believe his spirit, who believes that? His spirit is here with us in the room this morning. Amen, come on. Let's give a shout out to God. And God is going to meet us where we're at, amen. He's going to minister to our hearts this morning. He's going to bring his words of life um, just into our worlds and into our hearts and minister to us, amen. Let's believe that and let's be expecting that. So can we just start in a note of prayer together, guys? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you for your church. I thank you for every person here who just loves you, God, and has come to seek you and your word and your people. So, Lord, I just pray that you bless this time. Um, Lord, as I, as I just stand here and speak your word, Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do in the hearts of, of all of us, Holy Spirit. You minister, minister to us, Holy Spirit. Pour your love upon us. Speak to us. Speak into our situations. We just praise and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been here the past couple of weeks or been online you will know we've been traveling through a series, How Do I Cope? How do I cope? And this really comes from the understanding that the church globally, um, and of course many individuals, just many of us, uh, we kind of, you know, we're experiencing the aftermath of the past couple of years, which has just been um, an unprecedented time for us, you know, since COVID entered the world, just dealing with that, and it's kind of like we're we're at the other end of it now. Um, but many of us are kind of experiencing a, a, a kind of depletion. You know, we're empty. We we kind of we, we're feeling anxious uh, and stressed, overwhelmed. We've been through so much, so many changes, and many of us are asking this question: How do I cope? How do I now move forward? How do I keep going from here? And maybe that's you in the room this morning. Maybe you've been asking the same questions recently. You know, I'm tired. I'm tired. I feel depleted. I've experienced so much in the past couple of years. I've been through so many changes. We've experienced sickness and financial strains and other things. And I'm tired and I just don't feel like I can cope. How can I cope? How can I move forward? How can I keep going? Well, in the first week, Pastor Jacob shared just some really practical tips for us about getting back to basics, looking after our body, um, our exercising, what we eat, and, and just really getting back to the 101 Christianity of reading our Bibles, having our quiet time, just really just building them foundations in our lives. Last week, Pastor Mel spoke about the importance of our thought life, Um, And just really what we allow ourselves to meditate on, our internal dialogue, what we speak to ourselves. So this week, and and really it's going to tie into the past couple of weeks to to help us just understand um, and answer this question a little deeper. So this week, I want us to have a little 
soul check. We're going to have a little soul check. What is the current state of our souls? What is the health of our souls at present? You know, the Bible teaches that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. We're made up of spirit, soul, and body. And what is our soul? Well, our soul has been described as our conscious living and person self, what makes us us, what makes you you, what makes me me. Our soul encompasses our thoughts, our will, our emotions, our desires, our feelings, our intentions, our affections. And, and in the, the beginning of creation, the story of creation in Genesis, we see how the soul came into being in Genesis 2.7. It says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So God formed us from the ground, and he breathed his spirit into us, and something miraculous happened when his spirit hit man's frame. He became a living person. Our souls came into being. And you know, our souls are so important because it's our soul's that connect with the Spirit of God within us, isn't it? It's our souls that connect with the Spirit of God within us. It's our souls which is the channel through which God's Spirit is um, animated and expressed in our life. It's our souls is, is the bottleneck, if you like, of how God's Spirit moves out of us and into the world and to the people around us. But who knows or who's experienced that our souls can become tired? Amen. I've experienced that. Our souls can become tired. Our souls can become weakened. Our souls can even become unresponsive and inattentive to God, to the spirit of God within us. We can harden parts of our soul towards God. Jesus gets straight to this issue in Matthew 26, 41. He says to his disciples, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This flesh, this soul part of us is weak. You see, the spirit is willing. God's spirit is always willing. God's spirit inside of us is strong and willing and wanting to express itself through us. But it's our soul, it's our soul that can become weak. And it's in our souls where we either become responsive to God, the spirit of God within us. We become attentive to the spirit of God. We remain soft and open to the spirit of God. We make the decision to yield to the spirit of God and his will and his way for our lives. Or it is in our souls where we become, become hardened to the things of God. You know, we, we can just shut ourselves off to the things of God. We can become unresponsive and inattentive and make the decision to yield to our own wills and our own ways or the ways and the will of the world. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
the spirit is always willing. You know, it's not our spirit that needs maturing on the inside of us. God placed in, in Christ, God placed his perfect spirit inside of us. God's spirit does not need time to mature. God placed his perfect spirit within us. It's our soul, it's our inner life that needs time to mature, that needs attending to. It's our soul that we need to allow God to work in and work through and develop and mature. And the speed at which we see that happen, it really depends on us. It really depends on us. How much are we attending to our soul? How much are we yielding to the Spirit of God in all areas of our, of our souls, in our thoughts, in our emotions, our desires, our decisions, our motivations? How much are we letting God in, yielding to him and responding to his voice, to his will, and to his ways? You know, we're instructed in Matthew 23, 37. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And what is the current position of our souls? What is the current posture of our souls? Are we loving God with all our souls, with everything that we are? Are we loving God? With all our souls, are we opening our inner life up to him? Are we responsive? Are we submitted in our thoughts, will, emotions, desires, feelings, and affections? Everything that makes us who we are. Or have we allowed an extended time of trial and uncertainty to, to harden us to the things of God? Have we allowed um, this time over the past couple of years, what we've experienced, have we allowed that to distract us and shut us off and harden us and become unresponsive? Because that's the temptation, isn't it? That's the temptation when we go through trials, when we go through hard times, when we can't really understand what's going on. It can cause us to mistrust God. It can cause us to close off to God. What is the state of our souls? Are we loving God with all our soul? You know, God examines our inner life. God is interested in our inner life and particularly concerned with the state of our souls because he knows it plays a huge part in the direction our life is going to go. And this is why it's so important for us to have regular soul checks regular soul checks. We're told in the book um, of Corinthians that we need to examine ourselves. We, we need to examine ourselves to see if we're still in the faith. Examine ourselves. Where am I at on the inside? Where am I at on the inside? I might know the word of God. I might be turning up to church. I might be outwardly appearing to do and say and be all the right things, but where am I really at on the inside? Where am I really at? Am I loving God with everything I am? Am I open to him? Am I communion with Jesus in my soul? Or have I hardened to him somewhere? Have I turned away in a particular area of my life? Maybe it's our emotions. Have I just shut them off to him? I've experienced pain and it's too much and I just want to shut that off. 
I just don't want to deal with that. It's too hard. Maybe it's in our decisions. We, we don't trust anymore. We can make our own decisions. Maybe it's our desires. Have I shut a part of myself off to the Spirit of God? We're told to examine ourselves. Where am I at? Examine ourselves. Time for a soul check. Because, you know, God knows that not only for us to be able to cope in life, but to actually get ahead in life, to have a good life, to have a victorious life, he, to have the perfect, um, God's perfect plan and purposes worked out in our life. He knows it's so important for our souls to remain open and soft and responsive to him. He knows it plays a huge part in the direction of our lives. We have to remain soft to the hand of God, to the work of God in our lives. Despite what we've experienced, we have to remain soft to the hand of God in our lives. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, we're given the imagery of God as the potter and we are the clay. Jeremiah was a prophet who was called by God to warn the kingdom of Judah of its coming destruction, of its coming exile into Babylon. And through Jeremiah, God again would just plead with his people again and again and again. We think probably over a period of 40 years, he would plead with his people, turn from your own ways. Stop hardening yourself to me. Turn from your idolatry. Come back to me. Come back to me. Soften yourselves back to me. Open yourselves back up to me. I'm pleading with you to come back. I know what you need. I'm your creator. Repent. Soften yourself. Come back. Become responsive to my ways, not your ways. My ways. So we read in Jeremiah 18 that, that God again wanted to try and get through to his people. So he sent Jeremiah to the potter's house to first see something and then to say something. He, he, words that were true for Israel in their current state. And, you know, this was a time that Israel was going through trial as well. They were getting invaded by the Babylonian kingdom. They were under just immense political and military pressure. So they were going through a time of trial as well. And they were words that were true for Israel in their time. But they're words that are also true for us today in our time. You know, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God never fails. It never runs out. It is true for us today. These are words. They were words for Israel to know who God was and who they were in his hands. And they're words for us so we can know who God is and who we are in his hands. Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6 says this. This is a word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you a message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands, Israel. 
clay in the hands of the potter. God is the divine potter of our life and we are the clay in his hands. Come on. God is the divine potter. We are the clay, but will we remain soft and malleable? Will we allow him to mold and shape us or will we harden like stones before him? Will we remain soft and malleable like clay? What do we notice about the potter as Jeremiah enters into his workshop to watch him work? What do we notice? Well, the first thing that struck me was how intense the potter was at his work, how focused he was. As Jeremiah walks in, he doesn't stop to have a chat. (laughs) He doesn't put the kettle on. He doesn't become distracted. He is so intensely focused on his work. He is interested in his work. The potter never takes his eyes off the clay. He has a purpose that he is seeking to accomplish through his clay and he is giving it his full interest and attention and care. And this speaks to us today, church, of how God is so intensely interested and focused on your life. Intensely interested and focused on your life, in you, on your life in how you are being shaped, in what you are allowing to shape you and form you. He is interested in the direction your life is going. He is focused on that. He has a purpose for your life that he wants to get accomplished. And the potter, the image of the potter just shows us how intensely interested God is on your life. You know, God has you and your life on his mind. Did you know that? Did you realize that? It's kind of just a big truth that we can't kind of let sink in, can we sometimes? But we have to just meditate on these truths. God has you and your life on his mind. The psalmist, when he realized this, speaks about it with great delight. The idea that he is on God's mind. And he says in Psalm 139, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. Wow. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. They outnumber the grains of sand. Do you know God's thoughts towards you outnumber the grains of sand? I mean, we only have to take a walk on the beach at Mullaloo for five seconds to realize that that's a lot, amen? That is a lot. God has you on his mind a lot. But not only does he think about you a lot, his thoughts towards you are good. His thoughts towards you are also good. Later on in the book of Jeremiah, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. You know we can trust our lives in the hands of the divine potter. We can trust our lives, our whole lives. We can open up. We can remain soft. We don't have to put our guards up. We can remain soft in the hands of the divine potter because his thoughts towards our life, his intentions for our life are good 
and kind and ones where we, he doesn't only just want us to cope. He wants us to have a good life. He wants us to have hope and a future. His plans for us are good. He has an intense interest and desire to shape the purposes, his purposes within us, to form himself on the inside of us, the spiritual formation, and to form our lives into one of beauty and usefulness. Just like the potter at the wheel we see in the story of Jeremiah. And what do we also notice uh, from this imagery, from this story, that the potter shapes his clay to become something that he can use. He shapes it for usefulness. He shapes it so he can use it. It's shaped for a particular purpose. Did you know your life has a divine call on it? Did you know that? Did you know God wants to shape you for a particular purpose so he can use you, a particular purpose in the kingdom of God, to be used by the kingdom of by God? And, and that might be different. It might be different for each one of us. But we all have a divine purpose and a divine call on our lives. God wants to use your life on this earth for good, to make a difference, and for his glory. Amen? For his glory. And you know what we see is like a skilled potter, the divine potter, God knows precisely where to apply the pressure, Tiffany. Precisely where to push. <laughs> precisely, precisely where to, to relax, where to let go. He knows how to nudge and knead the lumps and bumps and cracks out of our life. in the hands of the divine potter. So the next time we experience trials and tribulations in our life, will we give God the authority and the sovereignty that he deserves to shape us inwardly through our trial, to form us inwardly through, through our trial? Will we recognize that the trials and, and what we experience, that God can use his handiwork to strengthen and fashion us into vessels fit for his use, ready for his use? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We need to allow God's power to work within us. We need to remain open and soft and malleable and responsive and attentive and allow God's power to work within us, strengthening us, maturing us, developing us. We need to place our whole life in the hands of the skilled potter and we can trust him. We can trust him with our life. He is safe. His hands are safe. His hands are secure. His hands are strong. Amen. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. It's his formation, what he wants to form us into. So that his son would be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. 
God wants to use the events of our lives, not to harden us up, but as tools for him to shape and sculpt us into the image of Christ, to make us into water-type vessels that can carry his joy and his love and his gentleness to the world, the fruits of his spirit flourishing and expressing, animating themselves through us. Can we visualize the potter's hand on our lives? Can we see and recognize God's handiwork in our lives? Using all that we experience for good. All that we experience for good. And there's another thing I noticed about the potter in this story. Is that his his hands reshape our pain and our brokenness. His hands reshape our pain and our brokenness. And, you know, we might not always be able to, to see what, what's going on in the moment as God is creating us. When, when we're experiencing, you know, this pain, we're, we're experiencing this brokenness as the wheel of life is spinning. The wheel of life is spinning around us, the circumstances of life, the pain, the brokenness. We might not always be able to see what the potter is doing and why he's doing it. And we might, it might cause us to question him. Lord, why, why, are you do, why is this happening in my life? Why are you doing this? Why did that happen? Why did that pressure have to be applied? Why is that pressure still there? Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life, how can you possibly use what I've been through? I'm so broken at times. I've, I've, I've experienced so much pain at times. How can you possibly, possibly use that for your good? And sometimes we might even think that that disqualifies us, don't we? We might even think we're unusable or unredeemable in the hands of God and in the kingdom of God. But like we see in Jeremiah's story, the potter saw a blemish in the clay that he was using, right? The potter saw a blemish, but he didn't throw the clay away and stop working. What did he do? He began to remold the clay. He began to remold the clay. His skilled hands began to reform and reshape the clay so to bring about his intentions, his plans, his purposes. And we can know we can know that as we remain yielded and soft on the inside, like clay in his hands, despite the pain, despite the brokenness, he can use that very same pain and brokenness and sculpt our lives into something beautiful, sculpt our lives into something that displays his splendor. How good is our God? How good is our God? Come on, church. Are we awake? Is God in the room? He is. How good is our God? the divine potter of our lives. That's something to get excited about this morning. Tells us in Isaiah 61, and he provides for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I love that. 
He wants your life to be the display of his splendor. The display of his splendor. Have we had a soul check this morning? Where is our souls at? How, what is the posture of our souls? You know, God is the divine potter, but it is our responsibility. The onus is on us. It is our responsibility to examine ourselves, check ourselves. Where are we? Where are we at? Is my whole life, inner life, soul, open, soft and open to God and malleable like clay in his hands? And what I've found is, is one of the big keys to help us do this is humility. I love that word, humility. Remaining humble before God and others. You know, when we do go through difficult times um, and, and we just can't see the potter in our lives, God, where's your hand? I, I can't see your handiwork. And we're in that season of just not knowing, of just not knowing what he's doing. Again, there's a temptation to take matters into our own hands, isn't there? There's a temptation to become the potters of our own lives. Amen. There's a temptation to, to begin to knead out our own problems. Well, I can do it. I can do it my way. I can shape my own life. I can shape my own path. I'll create my own purposes and my own usefulness. And if we're not careful, we might be tempted to think that we can be our own saviors. <laughs> Amen? Forgetting the rescuing and faithful hand of God on our lives up until now. We forget that we never did save ourselves, never can save ourselves, never could save ourselves, probably never should save ourselves. <laughs> when we lose sight of humility, we're at risk of forgetting that we've all been saved by grace. Amen? We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? We all needed Jesus to pick us up out of the mud and the mire of our lives and wash us clean. We all needed Jesus to place his robe of righteousness upon us. Amen? It's nothing we did. Humility before God refocuses us back on that truth. And it keeps us from becoming proud, cold, hard on the inside. When we remember it was God who saved us through Jesus Christ. That Jesus is our Savior. It is God that is doing his good work within us. And will continue to do his good work up until the day of completion. Jesus, what a Savior. What a Savior. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. You can come up, team. Thank you. Humble yourself under the potter's hand. Humble yourself at the potter's wheel. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And we see many, many experience um, examples in the bible of men and women many experiences in the bible and many um, examples in the early church of the early church figures of men and women who were able to just grab a hold and take hold of this humble self-forgetting posture before god and i think that's something that might get a little bit lost in our culture of consumerism and self 
self is, self this, self that, you know, that can get lost on us. But we have so many examples of men and women who adopted this self-forgetting, humble posture in the potter's hand. And they went on, God went on to, to shape them and form them. And they were vessels, mighty vessels for God, mighty vessels for the church, mighty vessels for the kingdom of God. How can I cope? How can I cope? We keep a check on our souls, guys. What's the state of our souls? What is the health of our souls? We keep our inner life soft like clay, open and responsive to the work of God. We remember God is the master potter of our lives. Only God. We remember God's sovereign hand is still in control. Amen. When so many things might have felt out of control, we remember God's sovereign hand is still in control. God's sovereign hand is still at the potter's wheel. He's still intensely focused on you. We remember God never gives up on his creation, on what he is creating. He will take all the broken pieces, all the pain, all the emptiness, all the regrets, all the shame, all the burdens that we carry. He will take it all and he will use, and he will use that to display his glory. It's our responsibility to keep a check on our soul life. Remain soft, open, responsive. And let's humbly echo the prayer of Isaiah 64. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Amen. Amen. Let's take a moment in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you. Oh, Lord God the divine potter of our life, whose strong and safe and skilled hands never lose their grip, never lose their grip. They're molding us, they're fashioning us, they're shaping us into your purposes and your plans. And we know that them purposes and plans are good. We know they're not to bring us harm. We know they're to bring us hope and a future and nothing is wasted. You take everything, Lord God, everything we've experienced. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is discarded in our lives. You take it all. And you just weave a beautiful tapestry of your glory. How good you are, Lord. How good you are. We thank you, Jesus. And I just want to take this moment as we're just here in the presence of God, as he's ministering to all of us, just take this moment. You know, maybe you haven't ever responded to God within. Maybe up until this point, you've remained closed off to him, but you felt something this morning that, yes, I need to open up to God. I need his hand in my life. I need Jesus Christ as Savior. And if that's you this morning, will you repeat this prayer after me in church? Let's pray together. Thank you, God. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose him to life again. And now, Lord Jesus, I look to you as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would, I'd like to talk to you. If you want to come up and talk to me, um, I just want to give you some resources to help you on your journey. And if you're online, please let us know. Guys, why don't we stand to our feet? Why th- well the worship team are going to sing a song? Um, and let's just have some time before God. Let's, let's just let that word sink in. Let's have a time just to examine ourselves. And if we feel like, yeah, th- there's an area, uh, yeah, let's put... Kind of God's put his finger on it for me today, and I just want to give that over to you, God. I want to repent. I'm sorry closed off to you there, God. I'm sorry, but please just take this moment to come into that area again. Holy Spirit, come do your work within me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord.